The scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Please follow along in your worship guide or in your Bible. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. This morning we are in the fourth of a six-week series looking at different friends of Jesus. And since... Some of you might be visiting for the first time this morning, and others of you might have missed one of the weeks. I want to give you a quick review. The first week, we looked at Jesus's friendship with Levi, and through their interaction, we learned that Jesus moves toward the very people that we tend to shy away from, the so-called outcasts in our society. The second week, Daniel invited us to look at Judas's friendship with Jesus, where we saw how long-suffering Jesus' love is for those who betray him, and how Jesus calls us to open our hearts up to and forgive those who hurt us. And then last week, we looked at Jesus' friendship with the criminal on the cross. And as we looked at their interaction, we were reminded of the amazing grace of God and the hope we have through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And this morning, we're looking at Jesus's friendship with Thomas. And from their friendship, I want us just to consider two things this morning. First, Jesus moves toward the doubting. And then secondly, Jesus speaks to our doubts. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning to have a safe place to worship. Lord, we're mindful of what happened yesterday. And we pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters who are suffering loss. We pray that you would comfort them. And Lord, we are grateful for the protection that you provide even this morning here at our church. And we pray for churches across North Carolina, the states, and the world. And as we come to this place this morning... Lord, many of us have had great weeks off, and we feel rejuvenated and excited. Many of us are weary and tired. Many of us are in marriages that are broken. Many of us come full of doubts and questions. 
So we ask, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak to us? Would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your bulletins, I encourage you to open them or you can open uh, your Bibles. And the first thing that I want us to consider as we look at this relationship between Thomas and Jesus is that Jesus moves toward the doubting. Now, in the church, we talk a lot about faith. We learn from a very young age that we are to trust in God. And while all that is good and true, there's a meta narrative that runs throughout the church. And that meta narrative is you can ask questions, but only appropriate questions when it comes to God. And you can doubt a little bit, but it's not great to doubt a lot. And so as we grow up in the church, we start to believe that it's wrong to ask questions. And we think that as we move toward God with our doubts, that he disapproves of us. But as we look at this interaction between Jesus and Thomas, we see that Jesus actually moves toward the doubting. Now, prior to our passage, John tells us in chapter 20 that after Jesus had appeared to Mary, the disciples, some of them were huddled in a room and they were afraid. So they locked the door because they didn't want the Jews to bombard them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared. And he said to them, peace be with you. Now, we hear that and think that he was speaking to their fears, which certainly he was. But the word peace here is shalom. Jesus was declaring shalom, that he has come to make all things new and his kingdom is at hand. And then Jesus showed them his hands and his side. And John says that the disciples were overjoyed to see And they believed that Jesus was alive. Now we pick up in verse 24 and we learn that Thomas wasn't there. He wasn't with the disciples when Jesus appeared to them. But as soon as the disciples saw Thomas, what did they do? They went to Thomas and they said, Thomas, we've seen Jesus Christ. He is alive. Yet John says that after hearing their report, Thomas says this to them. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, it's easy for us when we first read that statement to look at Thomas and think of him as this recalcitrant skeptic. But as I've mentioned many times from this pulpit, the best way to interpret Scripture is to look at Scripture. And as we look through the Gospels, what we learn about Thomas was that he wasn't a skeptic at all. Thomas was faithful throughout Jesus' three-year public ministry. And unlike Peter, who denied Jesus, and many of the other disciples who abandoned him, Thomas remained faithful. And continued to be a part of the Christian community. Even after Jesus' death. 
So while it would be easy to interpret Thomas's statement as mere skepticism and look down on him, what Greg Thompson, a pastor and author, says, and what I agree, that this isn't a statement of skepticism. This isn't a statement of cynicism. Really, this isn't a statement at all. Thomas here is asking legitimate questions. Thomas is asking, can I see God's life in the midst of death? Did my Savior really enter death and come out on the other side? Because for me to answer these questions, I need to see his hands. I need to touch his scars that are death's markers. Thomas is not a recalcitrant skeptic. He is a man who loves his Savior and who is legitimately struggling with the idea of life being born out of death. And the beautiful thing about this passage is that John tells us that instead of condemning Thomas for doubting or ignoring his questions, Jesus moves toward him. Look at verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. But this time, Thomas was with them. And like before, the doors were locked. And Jesus came and he stood among them. And he said once again, Shalom, peace be with you. But unlike before, when Jesus addressed all the disciples, this time, Jesus walked over and stood right in front of Thomas. You see, Jesus moves toward us in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our doubts. This week I was meeting with a friend and we were talking and the friend was sharing about his hurt and pain from past church experience. And as he was talking, I could tell that his mind and his heart were stirring, but yet he wasn't sharing with me. So I asked, I was like, well, you know, what are you thinking? And he said, I've got so many questions about God. I've got questions about whether he's good. Sometimes I even question whether he exists. I question why he would allow me and my family to suffer so much. And so then I asked the obvious question, which was, well, those are great questions. Why wouldn't you ask him? He said, oh, no, you know, I don't think God can handle my questions. And to be honest, I don't think if I actually asked him that he actually would speak. And all I would hear is silence. And I just sat there for a moment and let silence wash over me. And then the Holy Spirit brought Thomas to mind. And I said to my friend, you know, there's someone else that felt just like you did, that also had questions, who's also doubting. And he had the courage to speak. And Jesus didn't move away from him. Jesus didn't condemn him. Jesus moved toward him. 
So if you're here this morning and you are wrestling with questions about Jesus, about his resurrection, about your faith, he is not looking at you with scorn. He is moving toward you with compassion. And so the first thing we see in Jesus's interaction with Thomas is that he moves toward us. He moves toward those who are doubting. And secondly, we see that Jesus speaks to our doubts. You know, the amazing thing about Jesus is that not simply that he walks over and stands right in front of Thomas. The amazing thing about Jesus is that Jesus had heard every word Thomas had said, even though he wasn't present. And Jesus answered his questions. Jesus says, you asked if life can come out of death. I want you to put your fingers here. I want you to see my hands. I want you to place your hands in my side. Thomas asked four things and Jesus heard every detail and addressed every question. I have six scars. I won't pull my shirt up because that will scare you, but I have six scars across my belly from my radical prosectomy to remove my cancer. And when I see them and when I touch them, I remember the cancer. I remember the surgery. I remember the death. And now I celebrate the new life that each of those scars represent. Jesus says to Thomas, not with anger or sarcasm, but with gentleness and love, I want you to touch my scars. They signify death. And now they signify life. Jesus is saying life has come out of death. And in that moment. Thomas's heart. Sees and believes and responds. With one of the most powerful and intimate confessions in the gospel accounts. Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. Thomas doesn't say you are Lord, you are God. Thomas says, Jesus, you are a friend of doubters. You are my friend. You are my Lord. You are my God. And just as Jesus spoke to Thomas's doubt, Jesus speaks to our doubts this morning. But you might be asking yourself, okay, Todd, how in the world can Jesus speak to my doubts today? Thomas, he got to see Jesus. He got to interact with him. He got to touch him. But we live in this time between the ascension and Jesus's return. He's not here. And not surprisingly, Jesus knew exactly this time and this moment and the questions that would be rumbling through our heads. And he spoke to them. In verse 29. 
Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus is saying, happy are we that have not seen yet believed. And you're thinking again, okay, that sounds great. And yes, I'm thankful that Jesus is reminding us that though we've not seen him like Thomas has saw him, we can rest assured that our salvation is secure, just as Thomas's salvation is secure. But this still doesn't help answer my questions or speak to my doubts. But the good news is this passage isn't over, though it's not in your bulletin. John goes on to write these words in verse 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. Which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John reminds us that though we cannot see Jesus, he has left his holy word, the Old and New Testament with us. And the good news is that this scripture tells us that Jesus is also left with us whom? The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and he dwells within us. And he whispers in our ears. Answers to our questions. He speaks to our doubts. He enlightens us. He comforts us. You see, through this love letter. Jesus still speaks to you and to me. And so I wonder this morning, what questions are you wrestling with? Where are you struggling in your faith and walk with God? The temptation for many of us today is to think that God might not look at us with love and compassion, but look at us with indignation. So we bury our questions and we hide. But what we learn through this interaction between Jesus and Thomas is that Jesus moves toward us. And Jesus listens to our questions and he wants to speak. To our doubts. I was with my parents last night for dinner and then afterwards I was driving home and I was thinking about the sermon and I was I was just thinking about Jesus. And every once in a while, what will come over me is this panic. And I, and I was like, you know, I talk about Jesus and I, I, I work for Jesus and my life is all about Jesus. And as I was driving, I was like, but what what if it's all fake? You know, what if Jesus isn't alive? Have you ever had those moments where you're like, you know, we talk about him and maybe he's not real. Maybe this is all for nothing. And so I was riding down friendly and I was thinking about these thoughts. And again, the Holy Spirit reminded me of Thomas. And he gently said to me, I am real. And I just so happened to be riding right by Trinity Church, 
which is the first church that I attended when I accepted Christ at age 16. And he said, look, remember. Remember when you first came to faith. Remember how real and true I was to you. I'm still the same Lord. I'm still the same Savior. Yes, you are 30 years older. But I'm the same. I love you. I'm real. And I have chosen you. And so, I continued down friendly with a sense of calm and with a sense of reassurance. Because Jesus moved toward me in that moment. And Jesus spoke to me in that moment. Because he heard my fears, my doubts. And he spoke to them. You know, often Thomas, he gets a bad rap. But what we see in this interaction is that Jesus loves Thomas. And he welcomes the Thomases of the world to draw near to him. When we planted Hope Chapel 10 years ago, one of the things that was so important to us is that we wanted this to be a safe place. For those who had questions about Jesus to come and to openly ask those questions. We wanted this to be a safe place for those of us like myself who often struggle with doubt to come and not to hide or stuff that doubt, but to be able to speak it openly and have brothers and sisters who don't look at us with condemnation or judgment, but who wrap their arms around them and say to us sometimes, Hey, I know you can't believe in this moment, but I'm going to believe for you. I'm grateful that God has established that here at Hope Chapel. I'm grateful for every one of you who has met me, not with derision in the midst of my lack of faith, but of love and compassionate grace. And my prayer is that that will continue. For the next 10, 20, 30 years when I'm long gone and with Jesus. That this will be a safe place for all of us. Because if you haven't struggled with doubt or questions yet, you will. If you're alive. And have a real relationship with Christ and are involved in loving this world. How could we not? And the beautiful thing about this table that we're going to celebrate is that it is a table where Jesus invites all of us to come with our whole selves, with whatever's going on inside of us. For those of us who profess faith in him, he says, come. Partake of me. Let me speak to your doubts. Let me reassure you that I am the risen Lord. And that I have chosen you and that I love you and that you are my beloved son and daughter.